Welcome in Reno, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. I'm sure the folks in the northern part of the state are going to be really happy to hear us talk about the A's coming so, to Las Vegas. So we were just doing animal cracker talk. Uh, well, you know what? We Sometimes we're funny every once in a while, and Ari captures it, and we were doing animal cracker talk. Do we have to break into that for a second? Yeah, because about, I, the, the, I feel the pretty strong. The other day was National Animal Cracker Day, and I asked Willie Ramirez, how do you eat animal crackers? Do you bite the head off? Do you bite the legs off? Do you just throw it in? And he said, depends on the animal. No, I it does. Like, okay. I think he's right. Um, first of all, I'll say the frosted animal crackers are trash. I think we've talked about this before. No. The standard animal cracker is the only acceptable animal cracker. If it has frosting on it, stop. Put it away. It's not an animal cracker. But I think the important thing about an animal cracker is you. it does depend on the animal, but I think what you do is you attack the animal's strength. Right, so if it's if you have like an elephant animal cracker, you go trunk gone. You don't want that thing coming after you. Like, take the trunk off. Uh, if you, you know, if you have like a, I don't know what other animal crackers are like a bear. Then you got to go, you got to go head or legs, so he can't like come after you. You don't want him to get aggressive. I think that's what you go after. Uh, anything like that, like a fat. If it's fast, you go with the heels, like the Achilles, so it can't like get any push and really chase you. Uh, you know, anything else like a, a rhinoceros, you go horn for sure. But I think you just have to make sure you attack the animal strength when you're eating it. These are crackers. They're not real. No, but it, it's a battle. Like you're you're in a constant. It's a battle. You're in a constant struggle. Are you at a zoo and these are like voodoo crackers? So it affects the real animal? You just never know. You, you don't, never I mean, know. you don't want to take that chance. Big four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. We threw up as a kangaroo. You go pouch. Take the pouch off. You don't know what's in there. I'm not. I'm not going to keep. You going. don't know what's in there. I, I can't. I can't. I have questions, but I'm not going. Okay. So we we threw in the story real quick with Xavier Pope about the alternate offer, sort of, that's been made public and has gone gotten a lot of media attention. Uh, for the commanders, for Dan Snyder's team, $6 billion is the offer from Josh Harris, who's a, a billionaire. And Brian Davis, a former player at Duke, was on a lot of those great teams with Hurley and with Leitner, very tight with Leitner. Uh, he's fronting what he says is a $7 billion offer. And then stories came out that maybe it's Saudi money behind him. Has this been dispelled already or... Could this be real, that they're trying to do more sports washing by putting having someone as a front man and then buy into the NFL? Well, it would make sense based on somebody who a lot of people would agree has been less than genuine in the past. And maybe his – I mean, the word con artist has been thrown around at him. Not by me, I don't know, but uh, it's been used about him. And all of a sudden just has $7 billion to buy a team. Like, where did that come from? So it makes sense. Now, as we've been talking about the story and putting it together, it just dawned on me – that if they accepted this offer and it was Saudi money, I mean, my goodness, the fact that for a long time, Dan Snyder did not want to sell his team to Jeff Bezos, who he just didn't like and doesn't like the coverage from the Washington Post, but he would potentially sell it, and again, he hasn't decided to, he would potentially sell it to a Saudi conglomerate of some sort where there is some questions about how much they had to do with killing a reporter at the Washington Post that Jeff Bezos owns, wow. Wow. Like, that would be unbelievable if that actually came to fruition. I can't can't imagine that the NFL 
would approve a a sale to a team backed by Saudi money. I just don't I don't think it would happen. But it is the NFL. And they do like money. Number three. Number three. Alright, is this one real? The Niners really are taking calls? Or is this just they're playing games to see what kind of you know if they get a crazy offer they'll move on Trey Lance or are they going to get a good offer? There should be a market. Yep. Frankly, the Raiders should be. Depending on the cost, I mean, Trey Lance is a guy who has not played and was a top-five pick. And I don't know, you tell me, is is he on the same level prospect as the guys who were coming out in this draft or better? Uh, I would think so. Um, is there a team that needs a quarterback and has a bunch of coaches that were with the 49ers the last couple of years? Maybe like a team in Houston, potentially? Like I think that makes a ton of sense. And now you've got, if you don't have to give up one of your two first-round picks, you've got a 2 and a 12 and a quarterback. That would be a pretty great draft month for the Texans. Now, in terms of are the are the 49ers listening to offers, they better be. We talk about this all the time. The Raiders right now should be listening to offers on Devontae Adams. Should they trade him? No. The Chiefs should be listening to offers on Patrick Mahomes. Should they accept it? No. But you should be listening to offers all the time. And so do I think that some teams have contacted the 49ers knowing that while there's some good quarterbacks in this draft class, there's nothing that's really a slam dunk. There's nobody that's – by the way, there's two prospects next year that are probably better than any of the four this year. Like, yeah, you should be you should be inquiring what it's going to take. And if the 49ers said, yeah, fifth-round pick, okay. I'll take that shot even if I have a quarterback. For Lance, if you're the Raiders, would you trade your – Two and your second three that you got for Waller. I would, In trade, this the, year's I would trade the second three. I don't know that I would trade the two. I would. Not, so you don't think Trey Lance could even fetch a two right now? Well, I don't know. I feel like the 49ers are in a position where they kind of want to move on and get rid of him. And so if they do, then fine. It, I, I don't. I wouldn't give up a ton for him. If it's a third and a fifth, sure. I would do that. Um, just to find out what you have. What is he like? We don't know what he has. He's been hurt. He hasn't played that much. Uh, there's a lot of question marks about what he is, but his ability is still there. His talent is still there. Do you, you want to take a chance on it? I would take a chance on it. I would at least talk to them. Man, they have some stones, I'll tell you that. Purdy Nine, ain't going to be back till probably middle of the season and rolling out Sam Darnold for eight weeks. Got Sam Darnold. Good luck. But they believe in their system. Of course they do. And that, that's part of it. By the way, the Raiders have a unbelievable resource if they want to find out what they should give up. Hey, Garoppolo. Should we trade for Trey Lance? How did he look in practice every day? What do you think about him? Does he have a future? Do you want to work with him again? Like, it's a great resource to have. Number two. Number two. Yeah, I thought the Lakers looked like hell last night. In a, in an, with an opportunity in front of them to really take control of the series. Morant hurt. They're small. And they just didn't compete. And I, I, I was so disappointed by some of the action in the final couple minutes. I'll tell you who. I was not impressed by just bad body language, crap defense. D'Angelo Russell, uh, like, bricked at least one shot, and then he had a he had a foul where he just pushed someone from behind. It was Desmond Bain who beat him off the dribble, and it was like, you don't even have to do that. And then he's complaining to the official, like, bro, your hand was in his back. You got him tumbling forward. That, LeBron took a couple of lousy shots. It wasn't the best effort. For the Lakers. And then Dylan Brooks comes out after the game, and he's like, you know what? Ba- basically thinking, like, I don't fear these guys at all. So he takes a big dump on LeBron's head. Well, I think that's the. I don't the- care. He's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I was hey, start this over that. real quick. I want you to listen to the beginning of this. Who is the clown? <laughs> so Brooks is like, 
He's old. And the guy behind him is like, <laughs> one of those guys who smokes forever and does that freaking breathy laugh. Cut it out. I don't care. He's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, he shouldn't have said that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Yeah, so I poke bears. I don't respect anyone until they put 40 on me. Do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you can't do it. We, have to, we need to go pull Muttley. Remember that dog? Of course. Who was always snickering, that little pain in the ass? That's the laugh, and that was the old guy behind him. It's terrible. When he said, LeBron is old. Do we like – I mean, I think I like Dylan Brooks, but his delivery on stuff like this is so lame. Yeah, it wasn't, it's not the best. He's not the best talker. Uh, but I I get, like, his stance is – because I saw a lot of people right away were like, you don't do that. Don't do that to LeBron. He's going to be angry. He's going to come out and make you pay for it. And I think what Dylan Brooks is saying is, yeah, I know he's going to try. I don't believe he can and I think that's that's what Dylan Brooks is trying to make with the statement here. I like I I don't think it was accidental. I think it was intentional to come after LeBron and be like, "What are you going to do? Yeah, I'm going to talk trash about you. I know nobody does it because they're not supposed to, but I'm not scared of you." So we'll see if he if he does make him pay for it. But I know the, the Grizz were feeling pretty good about themselves last night. Top story number one. All right, so crazy story comes out last night. We know the A's have been sniffing around Vegas. We thought mostly to use Vegas as a negotiating pawn, and now the A's are in an agreement with Red Rock Resorts to buy 50 acres real close to the Strip. It's at Tropicana and the 15. That area is already being redone with the road, so I don't know how much you'd have to tweak it from there, but it's a great piece of property. Uh, you can actually have a stadium district of sorts. It's right up the road, about a mile, but it, that's a pretty easy walk uh, down to Allegiant. If they build a pedestrian bridge, which this is why I love the idea of that property so much. I've been talking about it for like five years. You can build a pedestrian bridge over the 15, it would go to the uh, Fortress T-Mobile Arena. You could have people walk from the strip over that bridge. I like I like the idea I of love more, more construction in that area. <laughs> That's good. I, I know. Well, That's what we need for sure. I know, but I mean, if you're going to do it, do it, right? They're already working on it. What the hell is the difference? I mean, I'm, how this, long do you want this to be going on? I don't, I don't know. I, I'm with you. The concept of having the pedestrian bridge from T-Mobile to a potential baseball stadium is awesome. The idea of what's that? Is that going to be seven years that it's going to take know. to do that? 12 years? How long can we accept construction on that one intersection? But the, the other sites would be a mess anyway. Tro, I mean, Trop, the corner of Trop and LV Boulevard, like basically building a stadium on top of the existing Tropicana, that would be a disaster. Sahara would be all jacked up with the Las Vegas Festival Grounds. And the Rio and Flamingo, you you, you, you now be – like the Flamingo is actually somewhat of an alternate for Trop. You'd be, you'd be working on Trop and take out Flamingo too. I have an idea. for How about the Howard Terminal site? Good point. Stay there. How about you stay there? We don't need more. Cause I love baseball. This is the crazy thing to me. We both do. I love baseball. I will be at every game. But I can't. I can't take it. Yeah. I, this morning, I was infuriated. You lose it every day now. Trying to go through. I was like, how do I go? How do I go? How do I cross crazy north to south in town yep. on the 15th? It's a disaster. A lot of people have been asking. And by the way, we're going to have Dave Cavallon. He's the president of the A's for a uh, Q&A. Um, I'll say we're going we're gonna to ask some questions we've been addressing, so I, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to be the softest landing. <laughs> but one of the things that people have been asking a lot about is a rebrand of the team. Would they be the Las Vegas A's? And Arash 
Markazi, our buddy who's got the Sporting Tribune, his site put out a logo. Did you see this logo last night? Because I think of all the of all the things I put out last night just to get some conversation going and reaction, that got the most reaction, and most of it was no, because it featured the elephant mascot very prominently. Sure. Do you know anything about the elephant mascot? No. So the ma- – because people all, all the time are like, athletics. I don't get it. So, number one, the mascot is named Stomper. Okay. I like it that. actually dates back to the beginning of the A's in Philadelphia. I think you're going to like this. I think your audience is going to like this, too. Okay. When the A's came into existence, a guy named Scheib was the first owner. Um, one of the folks from the New York Giants said – Boy, that guy Scheib doesn't know what he got into. He just got a white elephant. You know what a white elephant means? What's the? It's a gift that you think is good, but it's not. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're tying all this together. Um, Connie Mack basically pulled like my move. He was the manager and eventual owner of the A's, and he's like, "Is that right? White elephant, huh? You're mocking on us. That's our mascot. Stomper. I'll stick it to you. It's Stomper." So now we could be the Las Vegas A's with Stomper. I think they need to start over. You know we love Stephen A on the show, but that take is atrocious. What do you think the the split was on suspend him or not suspend Draymond Green from the public? I think it was 50-50. I'll say at worst for Draymond. And it may have been like 30-70. I was thinking like like 20-80, yeah, honestly. The, the, our, our reaction in the public – had very little to do with what the NBA did. And Dumars explained it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people on its surface would say, I mean, he stomped on a guy's chest. That's not acceptable. It's going to be a suspension. And when you looked at it and said, hey, look, there's a guy grabbing onto his ankle and kind of twisting it. That's very dangerous. It is. Now, Draymond went too far. But I think you could also say, look, the ejection warranted probably i would say warranted even as a dubs fan i think it's a warranted ejection but you already cost them a game they were going to win that no, game. no draymond green cost them a game no, but but okay fine but they, all of this is draymond green but no they, no one is costing but they've already draymond green already cost them a championship sure. okay okay so draymond cost them a game by getting he did ejected right and now you gotta play another and then, game and then, he, and then he cost them another game not from the stomping action but acting like a jackass and trying to incite a riot with the fans just walk off the floor. Control yourself a little bit. And believe me, I have no self-control. But what I can deal with is when I act like a jerk-off and I have to pay a price, I pay it. That's just the way it is. And people who don't have discipline and like to fight and lose it, you got to look in the mirror sometimes. And I'm hearing like a lot of just bull crap here that it's someone else's fault. But, but in, you know, the funny thing is, in almost every comment from people who are really mad about the suspension, they're like, well, I mean, Draymond did. Like, yeah, that's, that's a story. Um, Barkley was weird the other night. I don't know if he was groggy, but they were, like, trying to drag him along for a take. But, uh, you know, he was another guy who was like, I'm just – I'm not comfortable with this suspension. I was surprised uh, for the simple fact that he got tossed last night. I think his histrionics r- running around the gym – 
doing this with the commissioner in the building. I think that's the person why he got suspended. He did the same thing last time, running around the gym when he, when he got tossed in Memphis, running around doing that. That's when he fans. took Brandon Clark. Yeah. But like I say, I'm still surprised. You're not. You just said you're surprised, and you laid out two reasons as to why it happened. That ain't surprising. Well, I think he's saying. About what, is, the severity? This, well, this is why it happened doesn't mean it should happen. Then this is another storyline I've heard people say um, about I feel bad for the Kings. Like, I, I don't feel bad for the Kings. They're getting attention when they win the series. You can put an asterisk on it. I'm not going to, but here's Barkley again. But what really bothers me about this whole thing, we're taken away from the fact that the Sacramento Kings are just kicking their ass. For the first time in a long time, the Sacramento Kings have had a fabulous season and a terrific team. We're going to be talking about this, but what we're taking away from is, let's get one thing straight. They have outplayed the Golden State Warriors. Okay, well, you just made the point. So we're not taking away from anything. Well, You're right, they're, they're being outplayed. And they're being duped. That's the best part. They're, the Warriors are being played like the Warriors play people. And I don't mean on the floor. I mean mentally. They're getting suckered into this. But they're led by Draymond Green, who has no discipline. I, I like J.J. Redick a lot. Um, I, I do, I do want to point out, though, yeah. like you kind of made this point already. Because what did you already say about Draymond costing his team the finals? Like... You're taken away from the fact that Cleveland rallied and won the finals. And I think that's what he's saying. Like, everybody's going to remember that if Draymond didn't get suspended in that series, yeah. the Warriors probably win the series. And that's well, going to be the case forever. And I think it'll be I, the same I, I think it's different because the Warriors back then were in their prime. The Warriors now are a wounded animal. But and there were doubts coming in. Their, their, their margin for error is a lot smaller. There's no doubt in my mind the Warriors are winning that series. We're well, winning the, the title that year. There's no doubt in my mind if Draymond's not kicked out of that game, then they're winning this series. And suspended for this. Yeah, I game. think it's a lot closer. It, it might be closer, but I mean, what I'm saying is, we, it's years later, and we still remember that Cleveland got to come back because Draymond was suspended. And and I think what he's saying here is, hey, we're going to always remember not that Sacramento won. We will remember that, but that oh yeah, he got suspended from one game and kicked out of another, and that's why they won. Here's Reddick taking up for Draymond getting mad at the officials. They have allowed too much. I have no problem with physical play in the playoffs, but if Steph Curry's not allowed to move off the ball. If you're preventing players from running down the court and you're allowing that to happen, late, late in game two, where Kevon Looney's right underneath the rim, ready for a rebound, Sabonis crashes in, pushes him in the back. They don't call the foul. That's a foul. The referees have dictated too much in the Kings' favor in this series. I really believe that. Okay. Like I said, Mike Brown knows the Warriors. Mike Brown knows how they operate. He knows how they tick. And I fully believe behind the scenes that he is employing some of the tactics that the Warriors use. And when the bully gets bullied in the same fashion, sometimes they freaking snap. Uh, here's more Redick. I think this is starting to get whiny. They spent two games trying to bait him. Sabonis over and over. You go back to the end of game one. He pulls down Draymond Green on the defensive rebound. They go down. Wiggins misses the potential game winner. I watched that clip five times yesterday from three different angles. Not only does he pull him down, as Draymond's trying to get up, he reaches around and grabs his chest so he can't run down the court. Mm. Earlier in the fourth, Draymond gets a defensive rebound, makes the outlet pass. Sabonis elbows him as he's running by and then flops to the ground. They're doing to Draymond what Draymond does to others. 
and he can't handle it. Now, should the refs be disciplined enough to call it down the middle? Yes. Can they clean it up? Yes. But, you know, referees are human beings. And when you scream and yell at them and you get teased all the time and we cut your brakes all the time, sometimes life isn't fair, brother. Sorry. Well, well then, by, the, by that argument, then shouldn't Sabonis be suspended? Absolutely. I said it the other day. 100% Sabonis should be suspended because it's clear what he's doing. They are playing the bait game. And this, by the way, this is what you do in the NBA. This is what I would do in college basketball. If I knew there was a rough, tough guy, but also a hothead who can't control his temper, yeah. You know what? Give him a couple of elbows. You see what? It didn't. Well, did it work? I'm trying to think who who wound up knocking out a freaking Duke in the NCAA tournament. Remember the Tennessee game, right? Yeah. Tennessee comes out. They've got the 7'1", 270 guy, and he comes out with Filipovich. Not that Filipovich is Draymond that he was going to snap, but they like that was one of it's it's a different version of it. But it's like, hey, this guy's been dominant in the post, but we don't think he's been pushed around. Go break him in half. Let's see what he does. Draymond is a hothead. He lays on people, grabs, clutches, tries to start stuff with other people, tries to intimidate. You know what? DeMontis, you're bigger. Do the same thing. Let's see what he does. Brilliant by Mike Brown. Brilliant. Keep going, JJ. Keep that complaining. is a non-basketball play to grab someone's ankle. Malik Monk did it to Draymond. This was, I, I believe, part of the strategy. I'm not saying Sabonis is a dirty player, but there's some dirty plays here. Okay. There is some dirty plays. For the league to acknowledge that Draymond served a punishment, he got ejected, which I believe he should have been ejected, and I'm not condoning what he did. Yes. He served his punishment. All right. Just keep stating the obvious. You're right. Now what? Now now is because he lost his cool. Now his teammates have to pick up for him, and hopefully they can get this to 2-1. And then hopefully when Draymond comes back, he plays smart. Physical, but smart. Because if I'm Mike Brown, hey, I'm, I'm willing to lose. I'm, I'll throw some goons out there. I'm willing to lose a, a couple of guys. If you can't control yourself, let's play this game. Yeah, I mean, that that's fine. I also did hear the argument today that in the long run it could help the Warriors because if they do rally to win this and this incident has taken some of the market value off Draymond, maybe then they can re-sign him for cheaper because of all this all this happening and that people know how to how to neutralize it now. Like it's You never know what's going to happen and how it's going to work out. But, yes, the Warriors, I mean, if they don't win this series, this is a huge turning point for the franchise. Like we are going to have to start rebuilding, and yes, we. We had uh, we had C.J. Watson on. Stop with the we. C.J. He can say we because he played for the Warriors, but he said if they if they wind up losing the series, then they are gonna. Yeah. It's not gonna get stripped down, but there's gonna be changes, and Draymond's one of the first guys to go. That's enough. Yeah, I think Steph's the only so person that's safe. He's playing for his legacy because I can tell you this: Draymond is a real moody guy, and they win, and they win titles. This last phase of his career, maybe he'll just walk. I don't think he will. <laughs> But this last phase of his career, when he goes to a team that's, uh, you know, winning 34 games, good luck. Enjoy yourself. So that's got to be his mentality when he comes back. Like, I'm playing for a lot more than just the guys. I want to keep being part of this for a couple more years because losing sucks. Just a couple of years ago, he was on the worst team in the league. And he helped rebuild this franchise yeah. from, from the ashes. Yeah. He helped rebuild it by sitting out, making sure they it's lost who, games because he didn't, he didn't play at all force. that year. Yeah. And he hangnailed and he was out. I saw him a couple times. So we're back. Load management. That was my big year, uh, hanging out at Chase Center every day. I'm getting old. Draymond, you're 30. Well, it happens. A lot of physical play over the years. Got to rest. Ooh, tweak. He did everything he had to do. To what do you think is going to happen? 
Dubs don't lose at home. Ooh. Okay. So this game is going to come down to game five and seven. So they're down 2-0. They're 11-32 and 32 on the season on the road? Okay. They need to win five or seven. <laughs> they're going to win, Thanks, they're gonna win three, four, and six. Thanks. They'll win three, four, and six. How big do you think they win tonight? Not, not huge because no Draymond. They'll win. This part of the show is brought to you by our friends at Battle Worn Injury Lawyers with offices in Henderson and Reno. And Las Vegas. Of course, we do our shows at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on many Wednesdays. Give the guys a call, Justin Watkins, Matt Hoffman, and the wonderful crew at Battleborn anywhere in the state. 766-1400-775 in the north. Silver 7's halfway mark of the show on this Thursday. Reminder, I'll be at Finley Chevrolet on Saturday, 11A to 1P. They've got a giant pre-owned vehicle tent sale going down. Lots of bargains, great selection. You certainly can look around the a lot at the new Chevrolets as well. I'll be there from 11 to 1 with prizes. Finley Chevrolet just off the 215 between Rainbow and Jones. Again, this Saturday, 11A to 1P. Man, the rumor mill gets crazier every year with the NFL draft. And I think most of us were all kind of settled on Raiders at number 7, are going to take a defensive player. Hey, this Tyree Wilson is kind of an interesting option. If they don't take a defensive back, maybe Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher, could be the guy. And now all of a sudden, again, rumors, he could be rocketing up the charts. Uh, Joey McGuire was on with Q on Raider Nation Radio 920 talking about one Tyree Wilson. thing that I would say about Tyree is if you look at his body of work, You've seen him play a three technique, a four technique, a five technique, a seven, a, a six, a nine. You've seen him drop into coverage. Like, there's nobody in this draft on the defensive side of the ball that can play as many positions along that front. And then you also see him play in space when we dropped him a few times, like Tyree Wilson. You know, because the guy went from a three, four interior, you know, four technique, three technique to an edge guy. And I don't think there's anybody else in the draft that, that can do that or, you know, has done it on film. And so I think he's just got such a huge upside. Okay, so you buy to the rumors. What do you think about uh, about what the Texas Tech coach said there? Will the Raiders have any shot at him? I don't, uh, I don't think that they necessarily will. Um, but, I, like, it's possible. I mean, there's so many different ways this can fall. And you see some box where it's four quarterbacks off the board, one, two, three, four, and all of a sudden you're going to have a much you know, heftier selection of potential defensive players available to you at seven. I don't think that's going to happen. I think some quarterbacks are going to fall, which means a lot of defensive guys are going to go up near the top of the draft, which means you know the most prominent of them would be gone. I would think at the very minimum Anderson, Wilson, and maybe even Carter are gone by the time the Raiders pick. And that's why, you know, I've been pretty consistent in Devin Witherspoon being the guy for the Raiders. But those things can change. There could be a big surprise out of nowhere that could go there. Uh, do I think the Tyree Wilson number two rumors are, you know, have any merit? No, I, I don't. I, I don't see that happening. I'd be stunned if the Texans went with Tyree Wilson. In fact, I still think if the Texans pick number two, they'll probably trade out of Or excuse me, if they don't pick a quarterback, they'll probably trade out of that spot. Uh, but if they did stay there, they they take Will Anderson. 
I mean, I, I think it would be very, very difficult to pass on Will Anderson if you're going to take a defensive player there. So we were talking about Stroud and the perceived slide. You just suggested someone would move up to two. Is that for Stroud? Is there a, or is there a chance that Josh McDaniels and Ziegler are looking up and they're like, oh, boy, you know, we said these are probably the guys we like, but we're not going to get here. And then Stroud is there at seven. Oh, Stroud's there at seven. I think they're taking him. Yeah. I, I think there's a potential they could even move up. I, I think that they really like really? C.J. Stroud for sure. I figured um, they would just pull – I don't think they would they just will. pull what Belichick did a couple of years ago to Mac Jones and like, hey, if he gets to us, he gets to us. But we're not going to give up draft capital to move up. I don't. Well, here's the problem: they're, they're going to give up draft capital at some point. I don't think they're picking twelve players. Um, but I don't know that they would sacrifice a lot. Now, when I say that, could they move up? My thought would be, and we will hear from Dave Ziegler tomorrow. But my thought would be that they'd be sitting at number two. Uh, the Texans would be desperately trying to trade out, and they're like. Nobody's offering us anything. And the Raiders are like, well, we'll give you seven in our you know, third. And the, if the Texans are like, yeah. They no. wouldn't do it. No. They wouldn't do it. But I'm saying if the Texans just get desperate to get out and they just want something, then yeah. But I, I think that would be the only scenario where they would trade. Golden Knights and Winnipeg going at it at 7 o'clock. Knights down one nothing in the series. You can watch all of the Knights games, all the hockey games here at Silver 7. Flamingo in Paradise during the VGK games. 77-cent bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. Brad is in as he is every Thursday. Mr. Powers, how are you? Excellent. Thanks for having me, as always. I always like to get your take on regular sports news with the gambling stuff. So early indications are uh, there seems to be a good chance if they can hammer out a deal that the A's could move here, Oakland and the state and the county could build a stadium right there by the wild, wild west. Now, I know you've said you might not be here in 2027, but <laughs> would you act, Would you go to the games? Uh, you're a big live sports guy. Yeah, if I was still here. Yeah, yeah, why not? I mean, who doesn't? Like, I mean, I don't personally handicap baseball, don't bet baseball, but I will say this. I mean, I do enjoy going to baseball games. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I, I, I would certainly be up for that. And I, I guess my main takeaway is, wow, uh, what a difference a decade makes. I mean, uh, in the span of a decade, we went from uh, being, you know, I mean, the sports leagues being, you know, we want nothing to do with Vegas. To, uh, all of a sudden, you, you have three franchises. Well, on that subject, there's a lot of people locally who've been laying the groundwork and have done, you know, really good stuff behind the scenes. I also do believe what Dave Koken would say all the time on the air about 15 years ago that once pro sports figured out a way to get a little bit of a cut of the sports gambling, they'd be much more okay with Vegas. Yeah, and then some. So, I mean, you're seeing that they, uh, you know, the hands are in the cookie jar, to say the least, at this point. And then they're also seeing that, you know, Vegas is a pretty good sports town, too. I mean, obviously, you know, the Raiders, uh, you know, leave a little bit to be desired as far as maybe a home field advantage. But I think that the Vegas school nice, the fact that you can have a hockey team and be as successful as they were from the get-go and people fully embrace them, I think that said everything that needs to be said about, you know, whether or not this transient city can support multiple franchises. Brad Powers, up on Twitter, Brad Powers 7. Your Twitter, because I stalk you, you know that, uh, your Twitter account is is chock full of stuff. Um, I'm going to start out with you watching a lot of college football uh, in terms of the spring games, and I saw you tweet some stuff out first about Texas. What stood out about Texas? 
I would say skill position um, in a really good way. I mean, elite, I'd probably in my top ten, my power ranks, I've seen about eight of the top ten so far waiting on Alabama and LSU for Saturday. But, I mean, Texas is right up there with anybody, maybe even better than anybody on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they go three, four deep at running back, four or five legitimate wide receivers, including a Georgia transfer, A.D. Mitchell. Uh, quarterback rooms loaded. I mean, Quinn Ewers, uh, you know, Murphy, a backup, and I mean, Arch Manning, clearly a third string quarterback, a five star, number one recruit. So uh, I, I see it there. I mean, there's the amount of weapons that Steve Sarkeesian has, I see a pathway for Texas. Should be the Big 12 favorite and could for the second year in a row give Alabama all it can handle in week two. And they're not dead in the water running back with B. John Robinson going. You just mentioned they're 3-4 deep, and I was watching a video of one of their guys busting off like a 55-yarder, and it was like a video game run. It was. Uh, yeah, so you'd think, you know, B. John Robinson, I mean, one of the better running backs for, for Gifford, Texas. I'm talking all of college football last four or five years. I mean, he's that special with talent. But, uh, again, I don't think the drop-off that much. I mean, they're just as good. You know, they got another five-star true freshman coming in, and – he might, you know, be second or third string as far as their running back. So there's there's no lot there's no real loss there, even with a losing a player like B. John Robinson. You talked you talked also about Tennessee spring game. I wanted to get into maybe a little bit of that, but more importantly, it led to a question about what you think of Hendon Hooker. I know there's been a lot of talk about him and his draft stock coming into this. You said second round choice. I know a lot of Raiders fans are hoping. The Raiders get into the late first round to draft him. Uh, what have you seen from him that maybe you wouldn't make him a first round pick? Well, I just think the, the injury would worry me to say the least. I mean, uh, I mean, it was at the end of last season. I mean, if his medical is totally cleared up and he's good to go, I mean, that's the other thing that worried me. He was in a very quarterback friendly system. He's older, uh, you know, considerably, and he's one of them six year guys last year. So. Uh, that would be my major hangouts, but but I also say this: if the medical is a hundred percent, this is how much I think of Hendon Hooker. I'd rather have Hendon Hooker than Anthony Richardson. Why? Because I watch tape, I watch college football, and when you, when you look at, at even though it's a quarterback friendly system for Hendon Hooker, they still throw the ball consistently down the field. They still take a lot of chances. You're talking about a guy in the last two years, fifty eight touchdowns, five interceptions is all. So he takes care of the football. Uh, and Anthony Richardson, obviously, you know, if you have him behind, uh, there's some issues there. The measurables are through the roof. The tape, as you suggested, not really there. Do you see anything in him that could develop into uh, that reaching that ceiling that he has, or is that always going to be an issue for him? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, but I mean, we live in an instant gratification society. I don't know if people, you know, have the time for that. I mean, all of a sudden <laughs> you give him three, four years, and then he's off his rookie deal, and then what? I mean. Certainly, if he can come in and play immediately and somehow he finds it, then, then sir, uh, sure, I, I can certainly see that, uh, you know, because of the athletic ability. But, again, uh, very limited tape, keep in mind. I, I like, I do like college experience, and he has very limited college experience. And from what I did see, I'm not picking and choosing, you know, one bad performance. I'm talking multiple games where he left a lot to be desired. And, and even games against subpar competition, like South Florida, through a key interception at the goal line when they could ill afford it, almost caused an outright upset as a four-touchdown favorite in that game. So there's a multitude of games and data points where I just don't see it with Anthony Richardson. I know everyone's going to say, well, I mean, Josh Allen didn't have that great of you know, passing, you know, great of a college 
reputation at Wyoming. Well, I, I get that, but he's the outlier. He's the exception to the rule. There's Brad Powers. Brad Powers 7. You can follow him on Twitter uh, and hear a lot of his takes on college football, pro football, a lot of things. And it doesn't sound like it, and Brad doesn't look like it, but he's actually 90 years old. Uh, are you suggesting they just don't make movies like they used to anymore? They don't, and I, I, I don't. I mean, I turned the big 4-0 this year, but, I mean, I don't think it's an old man take. I know people are going to say that, but, I mean, I I watched those movies in the 90s with my parents, and they would complain about music, but they didn't complain about movies in that era. They just watched them with me, and they enjoyed them. I don't, you know, there was a list of movies that, that, that I listed. I don't see anything made like that anymore. It's a very, uh, you know, very, I don't know, the, the, the superhero movies and whatnot, but there just doesn't seem to be much diversity as far as movies. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't typically enjoy movie watching anymore. At least anything has come out in the last night. Adam, what do you think? Did you see Air? I have not seen Air yet. Did you like it? Yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. Okay. That's very good. All except, right. except for yeah, Brad. I'm not saying that they don't make a single one. I'm just saying, you know, let's use numbers. I would say I enjoy one or two movies a year. 20 years ago, I would enjoy 10 or 12 movies a year. Yeah. Well, you'll appreciate this. Uh, the one thing that ruined air for me, and I talked about it on the air, um, they, they, they're trying to establish that Vaccaro knows basketball very well. So it's, it's 1982. He leaves a Bishop Gorman basketball game, and he goes and bets a bunch of NBA props. Like, that wasn't happening at Nevada Sportsbooks in 1982. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, t- it took me out no, of it. But it didn't ruin the movie for you. It kind of did. It took me out of no, it for you're, a while. You're a lunatic. The movie's fantastic, movies. though, after that. But I, that took me out of it for a little bit. No, I think Brad's on to something about not as many good movies because I think everything has shifted to streaming and series. I think the ideas for movies are now stretched out to, like, 15 hours of programming. There's a lot of good stuff on streaming services, but... I agree with Brad. There's not as many good movies, and frankly, I won't go watch them anyway because I'm not going to a theater. I never enjoyed the theater experience that much to begin with, so I'm out. And I think that's that's hurting the industry. So I think a lot more is going towards the uh, the streaming services. Uh, Brad Powers with us. We're all over the place. Brad Powers seven up on Twitter. BradPowersSports.com. You uh, posted about ESPN's 2023 FPI when it comes to college football, and Ohio State is number one. And then you said there were some peculiar choices. Well, I mean, I'll start with Ohio State number one. I mean, I Ohio State won the spring games that I did watch. I wouldn't have number one in my power ratings, especially after watching Georgia's spring game. I mean, I would have Georgia a clear-cut favorite over Ohio State. And I get an Ohio State could have beaten Georgia, but you also got to respect the market. In the very last game that these two teams played against one another, I mean, Georgia was close to about a touchdown favorite. And when you look at what the teams lost and what they got coming back, I mean, I, I think Georgia's in a little bit better shape than the Buckeyes. So. Yeah, that's a disagreement there when Ohio State's you know, more than three points ahead of the number two team. I don't think Ohio State, as of right now, has a national championship quarterback or offensive line. So uh, on the other side, I do think Georgia has a national championship caliber quarterback. In fact, I think they upgraded its position with Carson Beck over Stephen Bennett. So, uh, yeah, that would start the disagreements for me uh, among very uh, a lot of them. I mean, I think Florida at number 18 is way too high. Uh, there's quite a few of them. But I will say this, it's good to have, you know, another power rating system out there you can take a peek at. All right. Let's close on this. This There's a really good deep dive uh, tweet that you retweeted from Stuart Mandel about the new rules on cut blocking. So what's happening here and what programs could it affect? 
Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of started last year. There was a new rule that that, were, that prevented cut blocking, you know, outside the tackle box for the most part. And, and now it looks like they're, they're going to try to even implement that and take that even a further step and just trying to eliminate cut blocking altogether. So, you know, who does that impact? Well, anybody <laughs> runs the option. So yeah. it, it would be particularly three service academies, which is kind of a shame because, I mean, the last two decades since Paul Johnson took over at Navy, it's already been 20 years ago, and we've kind of seen a, a resurgence in the service academies being consistently, you know, bowl caliber type teams. And if they're not allowed to run those peculiar offenses, whether you agree with cup blocking or not, uh, I, I, it will hurt them in the near future. So I mean, I'll dive into the specific rules, but that has me wanting to fade the service academies instead of bet on them. I mean, that's a mega effect on Air Force. The power, you know, one of the top five powers, pretty consistent every year. Uh, in the Mountain West Conference, and the thing is, you know, you, you can say you're going to start running something different, but if you recruit to the option, how the hell do you turn it around quickly? You know, transfer portal, but <laughs> the they, don't, they don't do it. Great yeah. transfer portal. So, yeah, it would be a couple-year process. I would say Air Force typically throws it more than Army and Navy, so I think, and Calhoun's been kind of wanting to insert some more pro-style, you know, aspects to his offense, so I'm not as worried about you know Air Force as I am Army's the team that I think I'd be really concerned about. Good spot, Brad. We always love it. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care, guys. There he is, Brad Powers. Uh, again, a lot of good feedback on the A's and the financing and the special tax district. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. We're expecting to uh, hook up with Dave Cavill. If you uh, missed the news, he's the president of the A's. But if you missed the news, it looks like the A's have – worked out an agreement to uh, buy land from Red Rock Resorts right there on the old Wild Wild West property. And now they have to work out things with the state and the county on how to fund the stadium. So really good feedback. I'll read some of the tweets later on, but uh, you know, a lot of folks are actually open to a special tax district, which is interesting. But we'll see what, what else goes into the formula, right, Adam? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of moving pieces for sure. Uh, I'll give you some of the feedback here because I kind of threw it out blindly. $500 million, uh public box for a Vegas MLB stadium. You cool. And folks, you know, a lot of folks were like, no, no, no. Some uh, one, one guy said, uh, could be a gal, New York Rebel, cool. LV exists for one reason only, tourism. All of us depend directly or indirectly on visitors spending dollars, paying slots. The more reasons we give people to come to Vegas, the better off we all are. Which is kind of the logic that was thrown out there around the Raiders. Yeah, I, I think the real interesting thing is I think some of the folks who are most vocal on the Raiders getting public money are not going to be pro A's. I wonder why that is. <laughs> right? My, how the turntables have turned. <laughs> yes. Yes. Five o'clock hours on the way. We'll continue to cover the uh, big news of the A's possibly coming to Vegas.